This is He Said, Then She Said, a series of conversations with Jewish and Gentile couples from around the world. I'm Tuvia Zaretsky, and as your host, I've been researching intercultural challenges as they're described by couples for over 20 years now. We want to gain an authentic look into how they navigate the unique and complex challenges that they've encountered, and then hear how they find spiritual harmony in their relationships. If you or someone you know needs support within an interfaith Jewish-Gentile relationship, you can reach out to us by email. The address is tuvia, T-U-V-Y-A, at jewishgentilecouples.com. Tuvia, T-U-V-Y-A, at jewishgentilecouples.com. For this program, I'm meeting with Simone and Mark Grismore. They were in Illinois at the time of the interview, but have moved to the East Coast since then. Mark is putting his MBA degree into practice, and Simone is pursuing a doctorate in psychology. They're recently married, and it was that experience that brought them to my attention. While researching the intercultural challenges of inter-ethnic couples, I found them navigating different issues depending on the stage of their relationship. So if you're interested in seeing more about those different stages, I'll let you know about a resource at the end of this podcast. Now, let me introduce you to Simone and Mark. Hi, everybody. And today we're with Simone and Mark Grismore, and I'm delighted to be with them both today. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Good. How about you? Well, thanks, Simone. Great. And we're delighted to be here. Um, I wanted to introduce and, and uh, interview these two in particular because of the challenges that we found around just planning a wedding ceremony and the questions that that raises and the cultural challenges that we um, experience fairly common in Jewish Gentile couple relations. Mark, I'm going to start with you. I, I know that your family is from Wheaton, Illinois. Tell us a little bit about your, your family background and what you're doing now. Yeah, so uh, uh, so I grew up in Wheaton, like you said. Suburb Wheaton is a, a u- unusual area, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it has something like the record for most churches per square mile in the world or something like that. Basically, if you live there, odds are you're a Christian. Um, did you have much association with Jewish people? Almost none. There was, I think, one or two kids who were Jewish at my elementary school. Outside of that, though, nothing much. And Simone, full disclosure, I knew Simone's mom and dad before they were married. Oh. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your your folks and your upbringing in? In Hopatcong, New-, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, my mom... Uh, was Jewish and grew up in a Jewish conservative household. My father was not Jewish, um, grew up in a very agnostic household um, with a Jewish stepmother, though. Greek and Jewish. Okay. Yep. Greek and Jewish, an unlikely combination. Yeah. Uh, But both of my parents um, became Christians. They became believers in Jesus in their 30s before they got married. So they chose to raise us in a Christian household, but also a household that was keeping Jewish culture and customs. So, you know, this idea of interfaith, intercultural is definitely something I was raised in. There was no issues about that. How about with the the in-laws, the parents? I would say, um, you know, they weren't very, we weren't very close with their in-laws, with the in-laws. 
yeah, not a lot of, um, like I didn't know my parents' parents very well at all. And um, a lot of them had passed away on the younger end. So as far as extended family, it was really minimal. We really kept in ourselves, just our immediate family. Did you get, was there pushback because the folks that your folks had intermarried? Yeah, there was a little bit of pushback. Um, my mom's siblings, one of my mom's brothers was pretty, um, didn't like that she had married someone who wasn't Jewish. And on my dad's end, there was some, there were some broken relationships, you know, outside of the interculturalness. There was some, some problems that had just really damaged relationships. Did you know any Jewish people growing up in Hopatcong, New Jersey? So not many Jewish people in Hopatcong. Um, you know, at my school growing up, I was really one of the, the only Jewish kids. There were maybe two other Jewish kids, but I, it was pretty clear that my family did more Jewish things than the other families and everyone knew it. Um, however, my family, every Saturday, we drove 45 minutes to go to a Messianic congregation. So that's a place of worship for Jewish people and believers in Jesus to, to come together and worship together. So that was really my main connection to Jewish people. When people asked you if you were, what was your identity? How would you describe yourself? That's definitely, you know, growing up, definitely something that changed at different stages of my life is what I would really say first and foremost. Um, there was now? a point in high school where I felt very strongly, especially as the only Jewish person in my high school, I am Jewish. This is a strong identity for me. Uh, and as I get older now, I find it's really important for me to share both of those identities that I really feel that, you know, culturally I was born Jewish and it's something I really identify with. And my faith in Jesus is also something I identify with. So I, I don't think that those um, identities are opposite and opposing. I particularly wanted to talk with you guys because you were married um, nine months ago in September. Uh -huh. And is it okay to call it a COVID wedding? Oh, it was, it was definitely <laughs> it was a COVID definitely, wedding. It was definitely a COVID wedding, yeah. Yeah, for those, for those who were sleeping the last 13, 14 months, there were so many restrictions that were, were making weddings very difficult in terms of the number of people that could show up the venues that were available. I want to find out what some of the interesting challenges were that you had as, as you were planning that, that wedding. Did you have any challenges picking a place? Yeah. So we had originally set our sights on like this really nice boathouse um, in the suburbs here, but we were going to be limited on how many people we could have. And then it just didn't make sense with how much money we would have had to pay for it. So kind of in a scramble, we um, asked my parents if we could use their backyard because they have a huge backyard and they have got a, like a nice big like family room with a big wall of windows. So it was like, this, this works great. They said, yes, they, they uh, were very glad that we had asked because we, during COVID I'd moved back home. So, and then Simone had visited. So mm -hmm. we were hanging out for a while and, you know, it just kind of like went from there. <laughs> Had, had the two of you ever thought about if it hadn't been during COVID time, would you have wanted to to go someplace that had a religious connection or were you committed just to going, picking a kind of a neutral venue? I, I definitely felt pretty strongly about just wanting to get married outside. Um, and I felt that, you know, detaching it from a religious venue would just really simplify it and give us, you know, the freedom to, to have and 
intercultural ceremony. Hmm. Were you were you concerned about any restrictions or or impact on relatives if you'd picked, for example, the Messianic congregation that you were attending? For me, no. I mean, most of my relatives, I've kind of explained like, you know, Simone is Jewish, but she's also Christian. So they they all just trusted me with it. So if they're like, okay, well, you know, she believes in Jesus. So that's the that's the biggest like welcome in factor that my extended family really cared about. So mm-hmm. from there, all the details is like, well, that's up to you guys. <laughs> Simone, what about for your your in-laws or relatives? I mean, on my family's end, they were pretty supportive of, of what we wanted and how we wanted to do the ceremony. Um, so it was more questions of why we chose what we chose than it was pushback for what we chose. Everyone was coming regardless of the venue. Okay. So beside the, the place, who did the who did the wedding ceremony? Yeah, so we had um, my brother-in-law, who's an ordained minister and is also half Jewish and a believer in Jesus. He did our ceremony for us. He's from an intermarried family. And um, I mean, him and my sister are both Jewish, but they are also an interracial couple. So, you know, they really kind of understood what we were going into coming from two different, you know, families, both their family, my sister's family, or my family and my brother-in-law's family being culturally different, and then his parents as well. So they definitely really, you know, had a good grasp on what we were, what we were approaching and some of the challenges we were going to face. Uh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, his parents are one of the podcasts that are all really on this, ser- this series. Okay, great. And here's kind of an interesting question. If you can remember, Simone, which side of Mark were you standing during the wedding? If you were facing us, I was on the right side. So you were standing on, on Mark's right. Yes. Simone, did you have a sense of uh, which side you wanted to stand on on Mark's uh, uh, right or left side before the wedding? Did it make any no, difference? I, I had no sense of it. I was going to do whatever David told us to do. Okay. And Mark, did you have any idea about which side you were expecting to see your bride standing on? So for every wedding I had been to, it was all kind of the same. So like, I feel like traditionally we did what was normal. Okay. Uh, Traditionally at Christian weddings, the bride stands on the groom's left side. And in a Jewish wedding, by tradition, she's on his right arm. There's no law about it. But uh, if you think about it, you'll, uh, if you go back and look at some pictures, it's always an interesting, interesting thing to notice. So, um, what are, were there other issues that um, the two of you talked about that you never expected to have a conversation about going into the the wedding ceremony? Well, first and foremost, Mark had never been to a Jewish wedding. Okay. So imagine trying to plan a Jewish wedding with your partner who's never been to a Jewish wedding. Everything is new. And of course, you know, in my life trajectory, never did I expect that my husband would have never been to a Jewish wedding. So that, you know, everything, everything was a discussion, you know, and everything that we wanted to incorporate, that I wanted to incorporate into the wedding needed to be reasoning why, here's what it is. So it was, it was pretty involved planning our ceremony um, because, you know, ground zero, there wasn't really much that we 
went in ahead of time being like, oh, we both want this. In fact, there was, I can't even think of anything that we right away knew we agreed on for the ceremony. Um, I always dreamed about getting married. The ceremony itself and how it would look that I figured, you know, let's fill all that in late. Okay. So Mark, tell me, tell me one or two and what that was like for you. Yeah. So well, before meeting Simone, my really only interaction with anything Jewish was uh, like Hanukkah, because like in pop culture, uh, the movie Fiddler on the Roof, and that was pretty much it, the Old Testament of the Bible. We had to pick out a ketubah, and I had no idea what that was or why it was so special or anything like that. Did it state a bridal price? It did not. We okay. we got one with <laughs> without a bridal price. Yeah, your family would have owed bales of hay and and maybe a camel to get to, to get Simone or a Lamborghini. Yeah, we, definitely more Lamborghini than camel, I would say. Yeah. Any literally anything in the ceremony that was not in English or the word like outside, uh, it was all brand new. Anything come as a big surprise? Nothing really surprising, mostly just because, you know, like in planning it, Simone's like, all right, well, we need like all these things. We need to construct the chuppah. We need to do all these things. And I'm like, all right, well, what's a chuppah? Why do we need these? What are these for? <laughs> and so like through every, uh, through every aspect of it, it was like training wheels of like, okay, this is what it's for. This is why we're doing it. This is why it's important to me. And I was like, all right, done, done, done. Got it. You know, there's something really beautiful in that, and that uh, as someone who came from outside of Jewish culture, we find very often that a Christian partner is very interested in Jewish culture and Jewish things because of their exposure, just like you said, to the Old Testament, and even to the Jewish background within their New Testament experience. So no surprise there, but I, just to affirm that, that's fairly common. Uh, among Christians, showing a, a greater appreciation for the, the Jewishness uh, of the culture that, that they're marrying. In this case, you're also sharing the the same faith in the, the Messiah. So yeah, it's very helpful. Simone, uh, did was there anything that you were taking for granted? This is just the way it's going to be. And all of a sudden, Mark was looking at you like, why would we do that? I wouldn't say, you know, I'd say that I expected, I expected the pushback, not the pushback, but the, you know, questioning and needing to explain mm -hmm. because I'd been dating Mark for two years and I had invited him and he joined me to almost any Jewish holiday celebration or Shabbat dinner I went to in that time frame. And he was always engaged, interested in asking questions, you know, to expand his own knowledge and also to have a deeper understanding. So going into wedding planning, I knew that he was going to do the same thing. I knew that I was going to say, I want to get married under a chuppah, and he was going to go, sure, if you explain why. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Where did you where did you come up with the list of things that you wanted to make sure were part of your, your wedding? Well, I Googled, you know, a couple different versions of what a Jewish wedding looked like. I sort of crossed out what I knew I already Knew I, you know, I knew I didn't want to do circles around him after I walked down the aisle. There were a few things that I knew we could say goodbye to. And there were a few things that I felt very strongly about. 
And then we did the same thing with the with the Protestant wedding. Okay, so when you're talking about walking circles around him, there's a, a part in a Jewish wedding ceremony where a bride isn't in, invited to walk around her husband seven times. I won't go into all the explanation of it. Um, that's what you're referring to, just so people who might not be familiar get a sense of that. Yes, it, and it, it's a beautiful tradition. It just, mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And And why wouldn't that be for you? Honestly, I didn't, I don't have a great reason. It just, I wanted to give at a few spots. I wanted to say, these are a few parts of a classic Jewish ceremony. We're going to cut out and we're going to make room for other new traditions of Mark's and also of my own. And I knew that I was going to have to let go of a few things. So I picked a few and that was one of them. Seems like a good reason to me. A lot of traditions get accumulated over 4,000 years of, of tradition. Exactly. And if you explain to someone else what it was and why you were doing it, you might cut out a few things too. <laughs> Mark, was there, um, is there anything that, that you would advise people who are planning a, a Jewish wedding as, from a, who are Christians? Oh, man. I would say start planning early. Learn as much as you can about everything and anything Jewish related because I did and it worked out fine. <laughs> um, but have patience, try to be open to learning new stuff. I mean, you know, growing up, like if I imagined what my wedding would have been like, it would not have been like, it was completely different than, cause like, you know, growing up, it's like, Oh, it'll be in a church. And then I won't wear a keeper because I didn't know what that was, <laughs> you know, growing up and stuff, but uh, you know, just be open to learning trust that your partner is the best in mind for you. Those are great suggestions. Absolutely. The the openness to another culture is risky and it's, it's a struggle because um, all communications cross cultural and there's a give and take in understanding what, what we, what our partners mean. And I think your, your point about believing the best about your partner that they're not trying to make you look silly. They're doing, they're wanting to do something that expresses something meaningful to their, to their lives. Simone and your, your ability to look at some of the traditions and saying, well, that's not really me. It's not really us. We don't need to do that to prove anything. That's really valuable. It's very helpful for people. I'm sure. I would say, remember that this dialogue doesn't, doesn't start when you start planning a wedding. Hopefully you've been having these discussions of, what it means for one of the partners to be Jewish. And it also doesn't end at the wedding. This is something that's ongoing that we're, you know, regularly discussing is how we're, you know, upholding both of our cultures, both of our values, and how we're growing together in that. Perfect. That's perfect. And I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for, for sharing this and, and uh, the Lord's blessing on both of you. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Simone and Mark as much as I've enjoyed interviewing them. They're a delightful couple, obviously. They were married in the fall of 2020, right during the COVID pandemic. Uh, and like so many who um, struggled with how to have a ceremony, um, there were bigger issues just than the number of people who could come and where to have it. But I want to um, just offer the resource that I mentioned at the top of this uh, podcast 
If you're interested in learning a little bit more about the four different stages, relational stages, that couples reported these very unique cross-cultural challenges through which they experienced, that would be dating, um, planning a wedding ceremony together uh, without kids, and then when the children come along. Different uh, cross-cultural challenges manifested themselves. And so I drew up a, a very simple chart just to introduce those to you. And if you're interested in that, let me know. My email address is tuvia at jewishgentlecouples.com. Thanks for joining us and shalom. Shalom.